0: Hello ladies, if you are fed up, confused as hell, or just over all the drama around weight loss, you are in the right place. My name is Bonnie LaFrac and I am your host here at Unfuck Your Weight Loss, where I help you make weight loss easy, achievable, and even fun. Because what is more fun than becoming exactly who you want to be in the body you want to be in? Let's take the shame and bullshit out of dieting and weight loss and lose the weight for the last time. Ready? Let's go. Hey there, welcome back to Unfuck Your Weight Loss. I'm Bonnie LaFrac. Today, I'm going to tell you all about how I would lose 20 to 30 pounds in 90 days. But before I do that, I want to make sure you know what is coming. My 14-day real weight loss challenge starts again August 14th. Well, technically Sunday August 13th we'll do kind of a a hi, a quick hello and then we'll get right down to work on Monday August 14th. See the show notes for the link you will not want to miss out. This is a great way to get started or to continue the journey that you're on. Okay. So, the let me tell you a little bit about why I chose to do a podcast on how to lose 20 to 30 pounds in 90 days. I was really aiming to send this in an email to a client of mine, someone I had worked with, I want to say on and off for the last uh, seven, eight, nine years, for a long time. And so a lot changes over seven to nine years. For women, if we start working together when you're 40, now you're 47 or you're 49, right? You're going to 50. And over that period of time, things change. Bodies change, hormones change, circumstances change, a lot changes. And so for this particular client, I knew that she had a very big goal and I wanted to connect with her and go through where she's at right now, what changes could we make. And then I thought, aha, you know what would be even better if I took all of this information and I gave it to you too, because what helps one person will probably help more than one. So um, this is something you'll probably want to take notes on some of the items I'm going to cover, you might already be good with. And some of them you might not. So again, this is all about how I would lose 20 to 30 pounds in 90 days. Now, if your goal is, you know, losing the last 10 pounds, don't click off the pod. Don't turn off the podcast. Stay for the whole thing. If your goal is to lose 50, 60, hundred pounds, stay. There's going to be something for everyone. But the majority of women I work with, they are over 40. They have Approximately 20 plus pounds to lose. Again, I do have a lot of clients who come to me because they're playing with those last 10 ish pounds, but they're doing a lot of scale games. They're kind of going up and down. They're um, overeating and over restricting and doing all of the things to try and stay, you know, in the clothes that they like, but they're done with that game. So, ready? Here we go. The first thing on my list on how to lose twenty to thirty pounds in ninety days is to change your timeline to six months. (laughs) I know. Womp, womp, womp. Wait a minute. Like this sounded so good. I could lose twenty to thirty pounds in ninety days. Probably some of you even thought, shit, that I want to lose twenty to thirty pounds in six weeks. Bitch. Give me the goods now. Like you're holding back on me. (laughs) You're holding out, Bonnie. I know you have more tricks and tips and strategies. What gives? And now, instead of reducing the timeline, I'm going to expand the timeline. Now, let me tell you, depending on who you are, you could lose quickly, right? Especially in the first six weeks, when you go from eating a very processed diet, or you, you, know, you go from um, not eating a lot of protein, you're going to find you're going to lose a lot of water weight, you're going to reduce inflammation, and you're going to see on the scale that big change. And I'm here for it. I'm not opposed to it. If I can help somebody make better food choices and their body actually starts to heal and we're not holding so much water and we don't feel so puffy and inflamed, great, I'll take it. But if we're really looking at, I want to lose 20 to 30 pounds of body fat or mostly body fat, right? I don't want to just lose water weight. I don't want to risk a lot of my muscle mass. I would like to lose 20 to 30 pounds of mostly body fat. I could do it in 90 days, but I'm going to tell you that's going to feel like a diet. And that would be 90 days of very focused attention And we could do that. I do that all the time for for clients, but then we would need, right, the next 90 days to focus on sustaining that. What I'm offering or what I'm suggesting anyway is I get it. If you have, and in the case of my client who I was really, you know, who this, who this message was for, I knew she was getting married in three months. So I know, right, she has a very big, compelling why. So you might also be getting married, going on a cruise to celebrate your anniversary, coming up to a big, important milestone. You're turning 50 in the fall. Something's happening where you're very compelled. And I think that's valid too. When I look at weight loss, the overall weight loss, we're not going to take From here to the rest of our lives, to be quote unquote dieting or to diet hard or to be restricting for long periods of time. I look at weight loss, fat loss, over a period of time and know that there could be three months or six months or 12 months of very focused energy. Usually uh, around three to six months, I'm probably going to need to take a diet break. This podcast is not about diet breaks, but I allude to it. obviously, throughout the podcast. I'm really talking to a woman over 40, or maybe you're 45, maybe you're 50. I always sound like an auctioneer, 50, 55, 60. Um, and you want to lose 20 to 30 pounds, or at least that could be you know, enough to give you that momentum. Changing your timeline allows you to create a lifestyle where you can be flexible, where you're not, quote unquote, dieting on a diet, can't you know, eat somebody's birthday cake, can't have wine, can't do this, can't do that, and have to be 100% all about dieting. I'm not opposed to it, but I think for most women who are listening to this podcast, who are listening to me, and you're sick of the on diets, off diets, on again, off again. I I'm all in or I'm all out. I'm overeating or I'm over restricting, right? We're trying to lose body fat and still have a life. And I would change the timeline to six months. I also want to tell you something um, on a more personal note, I guess. Um, recently in the spring, I changed self made and I went backwards in time and made it a ninety day program and I made a big mistake doing that I do i um I'm saying it for the world. I've said it to my team. I had the big come to Jesus" moment where I'm like, "Ooh, oof, I thought it would be easier, right I thought more women would think oh 90 days sounds easier right but sometimes weight loss isn't about easier it's just about what is best for the clients and i don't think a 90 day time frame for most women is fair especially when you're over 40 and that we're taking the time to figure out what is going on with your hormones what is going on with your sleep what is going on just beside you know, what you're taking in. I think there is usually a six month to 12 month timeline that most women need in order to figure it all out, to practice flexible eating, to practice being a woman who works out, to practice taking your supplements, to practice a new sleep routine, to do a lot of the changes that are going to be required to lose body fat and keep it off for life. You're going to need more than 90 days. There, I said it. And you could like that or you could not like that, but I think it's the truth. And a lot of you have been very kind um, in your ratings and even just comments that I that come into my uh, messenger box that you tell me, you know what, thanks for telling it like it is. Thanks for not sugarcoating it. And side note, I pick and choose my words carefully in the podcast. I oftentimes feel like I hold back a little bit because I don't want to be overly offensive or too much in your face or... Um, to seem not flexible, because I know once you this is this is a a recording this is a podcast it 's out in the world. People all over the globe now are listening, and i don 't want to come off as um, you know too dogmatic, draconian um, b- overly biased to any one way or the other. Uh, I am all about helping women lose weight and keep it off, and along the journey, creating more emotional well-being and not saying you will feel better when you look better right and just sort of stomping out maybe some of the things that I've said in the past I I have a very long history myself with dieting and weight loss and working with women in transformation and even working with women including myself who've been on the stage and you know making a transition from that all or nothing mindset is something I work on all the time too So now that we got that out of the way that you're going to change your timeline to six months, right? You can maybe take a sigh of relief right now. We don't have to like double down on everything. Some, if I suggested to you, Hey, we're going to lose 20 to 30 pounds in 90 days, let's go. That might sound exciting, but it also might sound daunting. So I want to take the pressure off. Not that we're not going to hold ourselves accountable or responsible for what we're doing and for our results, but so that we can actually do this in a sustainable way. So I want to talk about food, of course. If we're going to lose weight, it is about the food. I'm going to argue that weight loss, especially sustained weight loss, and becoming a woman who loses weight and keeps it off, and becoming a woman who likes herself, loves herself, and treats herself well, um, is mindset. It's all mindset. I think, you know, when it really comes down to it, I deal with humans. I work with human women. Human women have brains. If you are a human woman with a brain we have mindset issues. I've never met a woman who does not have mindset issues. It just, you know, but me selling you on mindset is like, okay, just change your mind, just change your mindset, just change your thoughts. I don't think that's helpful. So let's go through the how we're gonna lose 20 to 30 pounds in 90 days, okay? So if you're out on a walk, then when you get back to wherever you're going, maybe circle back and write some things down if you're, I don't know, in the office, supposed to be working, listening to a podcast, write some things down. If you're in your car, do not write anything down. Come back to this. How I would approach the food. I have a couple different suggestions, right? Because there's thousands of women listening and not one of you, not two of you are going to be exactly the same. And so I'm hoping that one of these things lands for you. Something that's like, aha, I could do that, right? Find the thing that you could do. Your brain's going to your brain's going to really have an easier time finding the things that you can't do and be like, "Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that." Ask your brain to find a thing that you can do. What can we do? One of the things that we can do is record your food for the next 7 to 14 consecutive days. And I think the consecutive part is critical because our brains are going to want to only record on days that go well, days that I can be perfect, on Mondays, <laughs> Monday through Thursday, and then kind of, well, Friday, I get tired, and I've ran out of food, and then, well, don't ask me about Saturday, don't ask me about Sunday. Hold yourself accountable to this, and, and it, make it easy for yourself. I'm not asking to see it and judge it and tell you you did a bad job. We just want to see what is, what is happening, what is what? What is this, seven to 14 days where you just record what you eat? Okay. And then assess calorically the average. Meaning, let's say I had seven days and without taking out like a calorie calculator or one of those, you know, old school calorie books and looking everything up, eyeball it. Okay. Eyeball this. Let's just eyeball. Give each day a calorie total, and you will not be completely accurate. And I also want to tell you, even if you weighed and measured and put everything in a macro calculator, guess what? You won't be, you won't be exact either. There are, there are factors that make that recording not accurate. So don't let your brain tell you this is not helpful because I think it will be. Okay, so let's say you have seven days. I want you to do like a brrr, eyeball, give it a number at the bottom, then add up all seven days, divide by seven, and let's call that calorically the average of what you did over seven days. Now, let's say you lost weight doing exactly what you did. Guess what? Do that. (laughs) Keep doing that, okay? Um, Here's what I do think usually happens. Once we start recording, right, we're writing things down, we're being honest, we get that level of mindfulness, which I think is significant, right? It just helps us be more aware. Instead of grabbing the handful of candy on the coworker's desk, I think, crap, I don't want to write that shit down. So I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to pay attention to getting seconds or mindlessly eating in front of my computer. If I know I've committed to writing everything down, I, I don't want to write down a handful of this, a handful of that. I want to be more aware Okay, Now, if over the seven days you did not notice any particular weight loss, and again, this is also saying that you've weighed yourself at the beginning of this and at the end of it, I would just start with a like a 10% caloric reduction, again, from our eyeballed calorie count. Let's say you were averaging 2,300 calories a day. 10% less, I'd be cutting 230 calories a day. So you could take a look over what you've been doing. Where could I cut that from? Was that because you had you know, uh, extra ice cream? Was it snacks? Was it, you know, what was it that got you to 2,300 calories and where could you pare back just a little bit, just 10%? That's kind of where I would start, right? I would also, so that's assessing calorically. I would also assess nutritionally, right? Now you have the seven to 14 days. How did you do in terms of picking real foods, whole foods, like food foods versus processed foods? What else can you assess? Can you assess any patterns, triggers, hunger cues, emotions? And I would, if you really wanna be like a superstar, and you don't have to, I, again, only you get to decide, you could go back through each day and make some notes. Right, Where? what would you have changed? What did you notice? Did you eat when you were not hungry? Do you always get hungry at four o'clock when you walk in the door? Do you always get hungry at two o'clock when you, right after a certain meeting? I just think it is such a great opportunity for you to assess, okay assess does not also mean judge <laughs> like you suck, did a bad job, look at this, look at that, just assess, pretend you're you know just trying to be that scientist, the detective we're just trying to build a timeline here we're on dateline we're just trying to we're just trying to lay out the story here, okay now, if you're like, Fuck that <laughs> For all of my people who are like, "No." Okay, I have another option for you. Right? I, I I thought of it all. I really did. We could skip all of that. Be like, "Okay, I don't want to I don't want to write anything down." Okay, fair enough. How about this? How about you take your goal weight and you multiply by 10, by 11, and by 12. Now, this is not heavy math, but it is still math I did just for <laughs> just for transparency, I use the calculator on my phone. I'm not going to lie. I mean, not for the multiply by 10. I got that one. Um, But so let's say, for example, your goal weight is 150 pounds. Here we go. 150 times 10, 1,500. 150 times 11, 1,650. 150 times 12, 1,800. Now I'm looking at that as my calorie range. What does that mean to me? Well, if it was me, and my goal was 150 pounds, I would start at about, at about the top, the 1800 calories, and I would not drop below 1500. Um, I would also think about doing this into three meals. If you eat four to five meals, then just divide the total calories accordingly. And just to make your life easier, so for example, if I was going to eat eighteen hundred calories a day, divided into three meals, that's about six hundred calories per meal. Some of you would be like, "Oh, that's way too much, but if you really think about it, like if you go out to dinner at a restaurant you're probably your salad is probably a thousand calories right when you factor in it has the cheese and the croutons and the chicken that's been marinated and some salad dressing and some olives and some feta cheese and whatever else and a whatever else they put in there. So don't let your mind be blown and think, oh my gosh, that's too many calories. I know, right? Because as women, a lot of us have been told or trained or somewhere along the way, it was implanted into our heads somehow that women should be at 1,200 calories. Some women, right, have it at 1,100 or 1,000 or they got it from some calorie calculation. I had a client who used to work with a trainer who gave her the calorie, I think the calories were like 11 something, and that she had to also send photos of every single meal to him. (laughs) I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem sustainable, but that's also a different podcast. So that's one way you can do this. Again, I don't, I, I think knowing calories is helpful. I don't count them anymore. I don't track macros anymore. I think, um, Not that those ways are flawed. I do want to have total awareness around what I'm consuming for me personally, right? I've been doing this a long time. I could factor all this into my head. If I made a sandwich, I'm like, okay, I have two pieces of bread. I have a piece of cheese. I have my light mayonnaise. By the way, I really like light mayonnaise. You can't talk me out of it. Um, I have whatever, I have turkey, I have lettuce, I have tomato, I have an avocado, right? I can start to add all that up um, whatever it is. Maybe I didn't have a sandwich. Maybe I had a salad with hard-boiled eggs, right? It's just, I can add this up roughly and that's fine. I have a ballpark of where I am and I think it's helpful. I think if you are like, I have no idea about calories. I have no idea about macros, all that stuff. A food journal is, we could just use a food journal and you can get a visual on what you're eating, the time of day you eat, how much you eat and why you're eating. Okay. A lot of times why you're eating is the secret sauce. Are we eating just because it's 12 noon? Are we eating because someone offered you food? Are you eating because your whole family is eating? Are you eating because you're supposed to eat? Why are you eating? That could be the missing piece, literally, to what is holding you back from being at the weight that you want. Okay. How about this? What if you hate math? You hate numbers. You don't want to be bothered. You're just simply you you want something more simple. So, so here's what I would do. I would just write, I would just record. I would just write out every single day what you're eating without judgment, without lying, without downplaying, without, you know, making, if you eat gummy bears, write gummy bears. <laughs> if you have Captain Crunch, if you have, I don't know, don't judge it. Write it down, right, and then we'll kind of figure it out from there. We can't, we can't really fix something until we know what is happening. Otherwise, we just kind of float around in the weight loss Google search of life. Okay, my personal recommendation is to eat three times a day, but you might be physically hungry um, for for whatever reason. You get up earlier and go to bed later. You work out. Um, more than I do, um, you are the only one who can assess if your meals are or are not enough. If you need to have that fourth meal or the fifth meal. And notice that I'm not saying snack. I think snack is a very triggering word. Snack, right, implies I'm sitting down with milk and cookies. Snack is a handful of potato chips. Snack is mindless grazing while I'm cooking dinner. Sometimes because we, we're so ingrained with this sort of snack mentality, right? Every day after school, I came home and I got a snack, right? Every, day, every time we went to the dentist office, we would go and drive and get an ice cream, right? We would just do all this snacking all the time. Sometimes we find ourselves eating four, five, six times a day, and we're not even hungry. And so starting with three meals a day, three substantial meals, real full meals with protein and vegetables and healthy fats and carbs too, like all the things... Let's us really assess true hunger. So instead of, oh, I can only eat one meal a day or two meals a day, or I'm doing this intermittent fasting, or I have to eat six meals a day because I heard it keeps your metabolism going, which by the way, is a total myth. Find your true hunger. Maybe start with the three meals and see how you do. There are gonna be some days, I get it. You know, if you have like a travel day, you got up early to go to the airport or you had to stay up late, you know, with your sick cat or something happened that got you out of your current schedule and you have more hunger and you eat more than three times. We don't have to like slap ourselves on the hands. We just want to be acknowledging that some days we are more hungry. Okay. here's number three now that. okay, so number one, we've adjusted our timeline. Number two, we kind of figured out what we're going to do about the food thing. Because ultimately, if I want to lose 20 to 30 pounds and not just do it eating carrots and celery, I want to have right, a, a knowledge of what I am eating and see it every single day rather than create this narrative that I'm doing all the things. I'm doing everything right. I eat really healthy. I eat clean. Do you, right? Do we? Having it in writing is the, qual- is the qualifier a lot of people, right? I do all the things. I eat really clean. I eat only from Whole Foods, blah, blah, blah. Put it in, put it on, put it in writing. Because you know what? I can go to Trader Joe's. I can go to Whole Foods. I can go to any grocery store and um, find the vegan donuts. <laughs> and they are delicious. Okay. So number three, did you, uh, I won't even go into the YouTube channel on the vegan teacher that my, my kids watch. Okay. Number three, let me know if you've watched the vegan teacher number three how to structure these meals right because you're probably like okay that's fine i'm gonna write everything down but is that enough i do think that if we're going to go to this extent to write things down and then we assess that's the opportunity to make changes we don't have to change everything in one day we don't have to change everything in one week we don't have to change everything in the first month of our journey to our weight loss we're going to just change as we go. One of the things I would always look at, if I'm especially eating three meals a day, I want to have a minimum of 25 grams of protein per meal. A minimum that puts me as a an adult woman at a minimum of 75 grams of protein per day. That's prob that's on the lower end. Okay, it's. Not terrible, but I think a lot of women don't get any protein or get very little, or they think, oh, well, I had peanut butter for a snack. That's a protein. It's mostly a fat. Okay, so I would look and think about how will I get my protein? Every time I do plan for the day, I do any meal planning, I think, what part of this meal has protein? Where am I getting it from? And yeah, you can find some protein in peanut butter or some protein in cheese and some protein in, you know, quinoa. You could find protein in plants, but mostly we're looking for something more along the lines of, let's say, eggs or fish or beef or chicken, right? Those kinds of things. You know, it could be a protein shake. It could be a protein bar. It could be cottage cheese. It could be Greek yogurt. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to get protein. You will, along the way, when you are committed to your goal is you will figure out the ones that you like best, that are easiest for you. I get it. Sometimes we do want a protein bar. We're running around. We got to get from point A to point B. I don't want to have three meals that are just protein bars (laughs) for so many reasons. The average protein bar is 200 calories, you know, maybe up to 300. If I only ate three protein bars all day, I'd be sub a thousand calories. Okay. We don't want to live on protein bars. They don't, you know, necessarily, um, you know, I'm not getting all of my nutrients from a protein bar. Okay. Side note, and I was going to, and I will do a podcast on my experiment wearing a continuous glucose monitor for me personally, right? For my personal, for whatever reason, I was very surprised to find that protein bars did not spike my blood sugar. That's a little side note. So I'm not going to villainize protein bars. I will villainize protein bars though. If you only eat them, if you eat like two and three a day, if you eat them when you're not hungry, if you, you know, if you abuse protein bars, just like anything else. Okay. I do look for vegetables or whole starchy carbs. I'm thinking about how am I going to get fiber into my life? And for a lot of us, when we come out of super low carb diets, a lot of you out of keto and things like that, you're not getting that much fiber if you think about it. Um, you just are not. So you want to think about how am I getting this fiber? Salads, vegetables, um, a great way to get fiber, potatoes, sweet potatoes, white potatoes, get fiber. And I think about healthy fats. What else is going into this? Am I using an avocado? Um, if I'm eating eggs, do I have some egg yolk in there? Am I eating a nice quality steak? You know, where Am I eating salmon? Where is the healthy fat here? Not every meal has to be gourmet or super balanced, right? Sometimes you are just going to have that protein shake and off you go. But if you can pair it, let's say, um, what would I pair my protein shake with? I don't know. Some cut up vegetables, maybe a sandwich, maybe an apple. If I could add some calories and add something to it, I will. Okay. But it doesn't have to be perfect. I do think having protein be your first component and build your meal around that you will find that you feel fuller longer and you'll have less cravings, right? Having protein forward meals is very helpful. Number four, moving right along, how would I lose 20 to 30 pounds in six months or more? I know I just changed the timeline on you again. Working out, right? Working out. Do you have to work out to lose weight? You don't. Should you work out? Perhaps, right? I hate using should. Um, Do you want to work out? I would ask yourself that question. Do I want to work out? Why or why not? If you, you know, and then I would find out why do you want to work out or why do you not want to work out? Sometimes it's just overwhelming and it feels like I don't know what to do and I don't have the time and all of this nonsense. We find the time for what we prioritize. That's the truth. So working out, you know, I promote walking. I am huge into walking. So when I think about cardio, the cardio portion of walking, I think, I'm sorry, the cardio par- portion of strength. Uh, pfft, I don't even know what I'm saying. The cardio portion of working out. When I think about working out, I'm not re-recording that, by the way. You're going to have that pfft, in there as well. When I think about working out, I do think about walking as a workout. I've had some clients, interestingly, tell me I don't, that they don't think walking is a workout. And I just want to tell you they're wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. You can think whatever you want, but I would give yourself more credit. If you have a... If you've incorporated walking, walking's part of your life. Why not give you credit, give yourself credit? Like I do, work out. I'm out there walking. Okay, and you don't need to be walking up hills with like a weighted vest and ankle weights and like weights in your hands, and you don't have to make the walking hard. In fact, if you're over 40, I wouldn't do any of that stuff. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to be walking at a 13-minute mile. I just wouldn't. I don't think you need more stress. You want to use your walk as less stress, how to de-stress, okay? So walking for me is king or queen. Um, One of the things that I think is helpful, if you can schedule your walk, even if it's 20 minutes after you eat, you will lower your blood sugar, which is very helpful because then you won't have these insulin spikes and then you won't have all of the hormonal things that come when insulin rises, which is also a spike in cortisol, which could also Um, as your cortisol goes higher, you could be offsetting some of your sex hormones like estrogen, which is already going lower as we move through perimenopause. Whew, that was a mouthful. Okay. Also, because I'm speaking to women over 40, again, if you're not over 40 and you listen to my podcast, stay here because I do think, wow, if I had had me... (laughs) If I had my future self when I was younger, I would have saved myself decades of bullshit. So I want you to be here. I'm not trying to to, to disclude you. Is that even a word to not disclude you? I'm not trying to disclude you. I just made up a word. Um, if you're a woman over 40, over 45, over 50, I would like you to rethink the super early mornings that you wake up at 3.30 or four in the morning so you can go get your workout. Um, I think by and large, that is very stressful. Not saying every single woman is impacted in this way, but if you, for example, are not losing weight, if you feel like you have stubborn body fat or especially stubborn belly fat, it right? If you're doing all the things, doing all the workouts and you're not losing weight, we will have to do things differently. And one of the things is to look at where you've put your workouts. I know, I have, you know, as you probably know, I have four gym locations, the fitness asylum. The majority of people who work out at the fitness asylum, do you know what their favorite time is? 530 in the morning. And I think, right, it makes sense. It's before everybody gets up. It's before the day starts. It's before they have to go to work. It's before they have to deal with everybody else's bullshit. It's the only time women think, uh, this is the only time I have. And that can work really well but if you try right like we all do we start with one or two days a week then we go to three then four then five then seven days a week i want to like wake up early and do this you know workout because i love it and i feel good and i sweat and i have friends and i am all for it i am here for it i love it i'm not trying to turn you away from fitting in working out when you can but what i would suggest um i'm not sure i understand oh my gosh siri i'm trying to turn off my watch is doing something crazy I watch things I've been exercising for like two hours here. Um, I would just take a look and say, is there another time during the day that I could strength train? Realistically. And, you know, if you come to the fitness asylum, our classes are in an hour block. They're 40 to 45 minutes. Is there another class I could... I could take. And if there's not, there's not. I totally understand. But then we have to assess what you're actually doing in that workout. For a lot of my clients, the ones I coach inside of Self Made, the biggest issues we're having, right, with hormone imbalance or, you know, certain hormones um, not being in balance is the big ones, cortisol. And so getting up super early in the morning before the sun even is up kind of goes against our human nature to be diurnal creatures where we get up as the sun rises and we start to wind down and go to bed as the sun sets. Okay. So I would look at when you're exercising. Now there's probably a couple different kinds of women who are listening to this podcast. Some of you aren't strength training at all. Okay. What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm kidding. I'm just, I am kidding. I really am. Um, or you're getting back to strength training. I very much relate because there was a a time I did not strength train. And at this time of my life, I actually have to schedule in strength training. I have to get back to it. It's not something I do every day. And so I understand um, you might be feeling, ugh, right? Ugh, how do I do this? What do I do? I don't know what to do. So you have a couple choices. There are, of course, many things online. A lot of people will start very simply, uh, two sets of dumbbells, YouTube. If that's not you, that's okay. Can you go to your local gym? Is there a Planet Fitness? Is there some place local where they often will do like an intro and they'll show you the machines, right? They'll give you like a basic program to get you started. If you want, maybe consider doing small group training, a class, hire a personal trainer just to get you started. We're not born knowing how to... Lift weights. We just aren't. And especially if you are over forty, a lot of the times when we were in gym class or we were in high school sports, they didn't put us in the gym. <laughs> they were like you go outside and do cheerleading or hit the baseball or what a softball. You know, they're not putting you in the gym and showing you here's how to execute a chest press. They're not. And so as adults, we have to figure that out and it's not going to be intuitive just to know what to do inside a gym and you know for, even for myself as somebody who's been in a lot of gyms i'll go into a gym i've never been in and i have to walk around <laughs> and i have to be like where's the leg press or what kind of leg press is this is this a plate loaded leg press where are the plates right what am i doing with this how does this one work what what type of machine is this and i've been in the gyms right since the 90s so don't feel bad and don't think there's something wrong with you or don't think you're behind the eight ball or everybody else knows more or you're, you suck. You don't. You just want to get started. And if that's you, maybe twice a week, 20 to 30 minutes, 20, you know, or less, right? Just try to get in the habit of doing two strength sessions a week, nothing more. And you don't have to progress quickly. I would hold it too probably for eight to 12 weeks, See how that goes before you get into this the habit we all do well, two you know twice a week is great. Let me add three, let me add four, let me add five, and then it becomes overwhelming you don 't have to go there. Maybe some of you are avid exercisers. you exercise four, five, six, seven times a day. Um, you might have to scale it back, and i 've been in that exact situation myself when I was recovering from uh, what a lot of people don 't want to recognize. I will call it adrenal fatigue. Um, but it was a, a state where my cortisol probably was really high for a long time. And then it dropped to like really low. And I was just in a situation where I had to, I still strength trained. I was in the gym three times a week. My workouts were about 30 minutes. I had to do less and it, it worked out because I was trying to do too much and more and more and more and more. Women in their 40s and 50s who like to exercise, who work out all the time, aren't losing body fat. And it's most likely some, I don't want to say it's a dysfunction because I think it is a function, right? It's a function of our hormones to be, you know, trying to balance themselves. But that's the irony, right, of how our machine, the body, is made. Our bodies don't really know, like, oh, this woman's trying to work out and lose weight. They're just, you know, your body is trying to normalize hormones, but we're also going through perimenopause or menopause, and there are things that are naturally dropping. So strength training is key. You'll preserve lean muscle mass, and you could even be building muscle. So why not do that? When you go into the gym, um, and this is for anybody right? Whether you're a seasoned gym-goer or you're just getting started, don't get overwhelmed with the minutiae, with all the little tricks and, you know, workout, you know, workouts that seem, you know, hey, this is for your rear deltoid. Okay, if you're not working out at all, I'm not worried about your rear deltoids. If you're like, what is a rear deltoid? <laughs> it's like the back shoulder muscle, right? So it's a nice muscle. I, you know, if you're going to work your shoulders, you want to have complete round, you know, nice arms and things like that. But I would look to be taught how to squat or how to deadlift, chest press, row, shoulder press, bicep curls, tricep. I would, I would actually start with, don't even worry about biceps and triceps, worry about these larger compound moves and how you could progress through them. You could also get a great workout just sticking to the machines they have in the gym, right? The leg press, the leg extension, the leg curl. They have a, you know, chest press machine. They have everything, you know, lat pull down. They have all of these things in the gym. You don't have to be, you know, some kind of expert in order to get a great workout, okay? Free weights have an advantage sometimes over machines because, you know, not all of us are built the same way. Some, some machines are harder, especially um, if you are a smaller woman. You know, getting into some machines that are built for you know a six foot man might not be the most comfortable, but you can you can get a great workout using machines. Okay. Um, wow. Also, I have a lot of notes here. Um, also, more is not more, and I know, right? When it comes to working out, right? We think I have to eat less and move more, but I just want to tell you, I just want to assure you, more is not better. Women over 40 and especially over 45 to 50 will benefit from approaching exercise differently than when they were 30. I promise you that. Number five, if you're like, wait, we're still, we're only on number five. Um, I get lab work. I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a PhD. um, But um, I'm a consumer of lab work and a consumer of the, you know, physicians who specialize in hormones. And I would go ahead and search these people out. Again, your primary care, they should be doing the basics, like, you know, testing your vitamin D3 levels, your triglycerides, your A1C, which are all important things to know. But I would, you know, talk to your, maybe your OBGYN, uh, talk to um, if you have an endocrinologist who is open. um, And I would be searching out to get urine cortisol and sex hormones. I'd I'd want to get those thyroid labs. And I am going to do a podcast purely on that alone. Um, I would get inflammation markers. A lot of times we could go get all this blood work. And this may have happened to you where they're like, everything's normal. <laughs> and it's not necessarily normal. You're at the bottom of a range. Um, but I think, you know, in being over 40 and you want to feel better, you want to have more energy, you want to be less groggy, less foggy, less bitchy, have better skin, maybe have a sex drive, maybe, you know, just maybe feel like you, you're going to want to have lab work, even if it's just a benchmark for lab work you'll have next year and the next year and the next year, and then you can decide what you want to do with it. Are you somebody who does want to go ahead and look into hormone replacement. Again, different podcast. But I think when I'm thinking about this particular client who this podcast is was geared for, that's the direction I'd probably push her. I mean, not push her into making those decisions, but getting the lab work and then her making the decision about what she wants to do once she has the data in front of her, right? That's what you need, you need the data. Just like we're gonna have data about what we're eating, we can't make a lot of changes about our overall health and our hormones until we have data. A lot of times we're just going into different Facebook groups and going all over Google and trying to balance hormones. We don't even know our hormonal state at all. We're guessing. And I've been there too. We could make a million guesses. Like, oh, I'm, maybe I have PCOS or uh, maybe I have uh, Hashimoto's or you know, maybe I have XYZ. Well, what do you have? You need the lab work in order to know. Number six, a sleep routine. I know it sounds like um, a dance routine, a sleep routine. You need a sleep routine. You need to go to sleep probably at the same time every single night and wake up at the same time every single day and not go to bed at one in the morning and wake up at four in the morning. that just does not work for overall health and for overall weight loss. It just will not. Okay. We're going against human nature here. Maybe you need sleep supplements. I know, right? Like, what are those? Let me tell you, number seven, uh, supplements. And it is something, and it's very nuanced. This is a podcast for the general public, women over 40. And so I'm not going to make supplement recommendations for you, the listener, because I'm not working with you necessarily. But I will say, starting with basics, there is nothing wrong. I would think every single woman could be working on getting basic supplements into her life, right? D3 with vitamin K, because the K will help uh, your body tell the D3 where to go, right? Vitamin D3 is very helpful for bone health and for mood um, and for immune health, Uh, probiotics, because I think your digestion is probably going to play a very big part in your um, overall mood and well-being and your hormone imbalance or balance. Um, Magnesium. Uh, magnesium is a very essential mineral, a multivitamin geared for who you are. If you're a woman who still gets her period, then get that multivitamin that has iron. If you're a woman who is in menopause, you do not need that same multivitamin. You need one without iron, okay? So get the appropriate multivitamin um, and then get fish oil. And for all of your basic supplements, just make sure you're getting the best quality you can find. There are a lot of great, um, you know, there are pharmaceutical type brands. Um, I send a lot of my clients to Polygon group. If you're in my free group, food, fitness, fat loss, it's a Facebook group. If you're not already there, go there. I believe I shared a link where you could save 10%. Um, other brands I like that are pro- that have a lot of Raw ingredients, probably sourced, just like Polyquin uses the same high quality ingredients, Thorn, Metagenics, Pure, Allergy Research, um, all, or, all sorts of things out there, Claire, um, all those brands that I use on the regular. When it comes to sleep, yes, magnesium can be very helpful for sleep, but a lot of us might need some melatonin. We might want to bring in some L-theanine, um, GABA, um, Valerian, there, there's a. Lo- We're all different. I, I usually ask my clients just to start maybe with one to three milligrams of a time-release melatonin. Um, add that magnesium. There's a, a couple other supplements just to kind of build up um, your own personal sleep stack. This is not about sleeping pills. This is not like take Benadryl to go to sleep. This is not. Um, Ambien. This is not, you know, prescription stuff that if you don't have it, you're going to have withdrawals. Um, I consider this stuff to be all natural. But again, if you are already taking medications, if you're under a doctor's supervision and you, I would check with your doctor if you are concerned. Okay. The better quality supplements, I think do a little bit better. I have taken melatonin um, that was not a high quality one. And I felt like it gave me massive anxiety attack. So there is a difference if you're like, oh, well, I tried melatonin. Okay. Maybe you want to try it again. Maybe it needs to be a lower dose, right? Try that. Um, but they can, it, you know, supplements can help you sleep and you want to be able to fall asleep and stay asleep and then wake up and feel like you actually slept. Number eight, learn to say no and prioritize yourself um, because i think you will have a need to recharge your own batteries and women are busy busier than ever right We're we do it all we do everything and we can we're the ultimate multitasker. we wear all the hats we you know we're making dinner we pay the bills we take the kids here we make all the travel arrangements all you know we're like say yes we got business things we've got friend things we've got family things a lot of you uh like myself you have kids and then you have aging parents, right? We've got all of these things and people who need us, but you know who needs you the most? You. And if we're going to lose the 20 to 30 pounds, we're going to have to, and we want to say yes to that. What do you have to say no to? I mean, that's the reality. You can't say yes to everything, right? If you, And I would put yourself first, you first, right? Put your You've heard it a million times, put your oxygen mask on first. You can't help anyone else when you're like, hateful pile of, <laughs> of misery, right? When you don't sleep and when you none of your clothes fit and you're just whatever, miserable, you're just not going to be helpful. So you might have to look at your calendar. You might have to look at the things that you say yes to, and that you agree to, and you might have to scale it back. You might right? Learn to say no. Number nine, track your progress beyond the scale. Now, let me just tell you, if you want to use the scale, I am all for the scale, but don't use it like an asshole. (laughs) Don't weigh yourself three times a day and then wonder why the scale is not going down. Decide ahead of time how you're going to use the scale and just use it for data. Like, decide ahead. Is it every Sunday morning you're going to weigh yourself? Is it every... Monday morning, whatever it is, stick to that schedule. Or if you want to weigh yourself every two weeks or every month or whatever, here's the thing. I've talked about this a lot about the scale. I personally don't use the scale. I don't own one, but it's not because I'm afraid of it or I'm avoiding it. Because what happens, I think, a lot of times is that people become afraid and avoid it. And it's not like that's helping it's, it's either, you know, I use the scale and I'm watching it like a hawk and I'm, you know, monitoring everything I eat and I'm so focused on the scale or I'm not, if I'm not focused on the scale, then I just eat whatever I want and say, fuck it. And I, that's not at all. That's not my, it's not my method, right? I don't need a scale to be able to look in the mirror and say, hmm, that's looking a little different, right? I, I, I don't use a scale, but you can use the scale. I would just decide ahead of time how you're gonna use it. I would use photos. I would take a picture the same day you get on the scale. Just snap it in the mirror. If you're, good, if you're really good with your cell phone and you can snap a side shot and a back shot, go right ahead, more photos. You can hide them into your, You can hide them in a secret file in your iPhone. Maybe use the tape measure. Use the mirror. Take notes and just be honest. Right? If you want to lose 20 to 30 pounds and you've made a commitment to that, we do have to be honest with ourselves. And honest, again, it's not about judging ourselves or beating ourselves up. Sometimes being honest is the pep talk. It's like, what would you say to yourself if you were going to be your own best cheerleader? Right? What would you say to your 10 year old self? Like, you suck. (laughs) You'll always be fat. You'll never be good enough. Like, no, you would not. Right? Being honest is not that. It's just, okay. What really happened this week? Where could I I have made a change? Did I see that coming? Did I not get enough sleep? Did I have trouble saying no to that person? Right? Just be honest and decide what you'd want to do differently next time. Um, And then number 10, and you've heard me this last podcast I did was all about your why. But, you know, in this particular instance, my motivation for making this podcast, How to Lose 20 to 30 Pounds in Six Plus Months, in a year, in two years, keep moving the timeline on you, um, this particular client has a big event coming up. But what if you don't have a big event coming up? Why do you want to lose weight? Remind yourself that you want to lose weight and keep it off and that you are building a sustainable lifestyle that allows you to still enjoy your favorite foods, but also lose body fat. And when we write down the things that we're eating, we can start to then plan for the things we're eating. Right. If you know tomorrow night you're going to go out with your friends, you're going to go to your favorite Mexican restaurant, okay, what is it that you want? Are you going to have drinks? What are you drinking? How much? Are you going to have the chips and salsa or not? You can decide ahead and plan that stuff because otherwise, if we walk through life thinking the only thing that could be on my plan or the only foods that I can put in my journal are the good ones, I can only record it when it's a salad with chicken and the chips and salsa, I just that's bad. And I think the idea behind sustainable weight loss is that we have to get away from good and bad. I know, it's a big stretch when we've are we been immersed in diet culture, right? So that's what I have for you, how to lose 20 to 30 pounds in six months, not 90 days. If you do it in 90 days, great. Spend the next 90 plus days working on keeping it off and not feeling like you're either on a diet or off a diet and that you're creating something that, works for you long term doesn't mean that you won't tweak it and won't change it you won't you know be sort of in maintenance mode for a while or turn up the heat a little bit when you need to that's that is real life right people don't just diet and diet and diet and focus and focus and focus on losing weight their whole life oh wait yes we do (laughs) but we're here at unfuck your weight loss we want to do it a little bit differently right thanks for being here i so appreciate you listening don't forget to check out the link and join me over at the 14-Day Real Weight Loss Challenge. Have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unbuck Your Weight Loss. The next step, of course, is to take action on something we discussed because implementation beats information all day long. If you enjoyed this podcast, Thank you for being here and please leave a review wherever you tune in for all of your podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Looking forward to dropping all the F-bombs with you next week. Have a good one.